0: Hello everybody. This is Andrew Gamson with the Speaking Firm podcast. I'm super glad that you have choi- chosen to join me and I'm excited that later in this episode we will be talking about the movie Selfie Dad as we look toward Father's Day this coming weekend. I thought it would be a good movie to share with you uh, and I'm excited because my brother Bartholomew will be joining me for that review, so hang tight later for that. Uh, but first, I want to share with you what is going on. Alright, for those of you who may not know, um, this past Monday was Flag Day here in the United States, and Flag Day commemorates the day in 1777, when the Continental Congress voted to approve the United States flag. Now the flag has taken on numerous uh, shapes and additions since then. As a matter of fact, in the early days of the flag, there was not a uniform um, shape or way that the flag could be constructed. Uh, so, while the original flag consisted of 13 stars uh to commemorate a 13-colony union, there were many different shapes and varieties of the way those 13 stars would be put on the flag. And then, of course, uh, we have stripes as well. And it wasn't until the William Howard Taft administration that the American flag was formalized, and the current flag that you and I know today was adopted by Dwight David Eisenhower in 1960, and it has stayed that way ever since. Uh, now, the flag has been a, an interesting uh, depiction of what it means to be an American For many years, many people have different feelings about the flag and throughout the years there have been an increasing hostility towards the flag. And so I think it's important to pause this week to think about what the flag really means. Well, today
1: is the day we celebrate. It's the stars and stripes because it is Flag Day. It commemorates the adoption of the American flag by the resolution of the Second Continental Congress in 1777. The original U.S. flag was adopted by the Continental Congress in 1777, but it was not like the iconic flag we know today. It had 13 stripes of red and white and 13 stars in a circle on a blue field. So what do the colors stand for? Red is for valor and bravery. White is for purity and innocence. And blue is for vigilance, perseverance, and justice. There are conflicting theories as to who sewed the original flag, though. However, it is widely accepted that it was made by Philadelphia seamstress Betsy Ross in 1776, creating the design at the request of then-General George Washington. Since 1777, the design of the flag has been updated several times. The last was in 1959 by President Eisenhower to represent all 50 states.
0: And so it's a pretty important thing for us to remember our flag. When we see the American flag, whether it's at a sporting event or whether it's at the Olympics or whether it was after 9-11, which, interestingly enough, is celebrating the 20th anniversary of those events this year, it stirs within us many different things. But I, as I said, I think it's important for us to reflect on our flag Very similar to what I said last week about D-Day. It's important for us to know our history before we forget it and don't realize how far we have come and what we have gained through the freedoms that we have here in the United States. Uh, There are some people that deeply resent what they think the flag stands for, Uh, because they have come to believe that the flag stands for oppression. You know, there was a time not too long ago when Nike was going to come out with a sneaker that commemorated the Betsy Ross flag as the original 13-star colonial flag has become known. And Colin Kaepernick said, well, that represents slavery. And yes, the period of time in which that flag existed and was the flag of choice did have slavery as a part of it. But the flag itself does not represent slavery. The flag itself represents freedom. And when the Founding Fathers put forth the Declaration of Independence, they themselves were seeking freedom from an oppressive government in England. They wanted the right to worship God as they wished. They wanted the right to have representation for the taxes that were sought to be imposed upon them. And above all, they wanted people to have liberty and they realized that people needed to take responsibility for their liberty. And yes, uh, there have been blights on the American scene. Slavery was definitely one of them. But the flag itself does not represent slavery. Rather, it represents freedom and hope. And so I'm just really excited to be able to share with you some additional facts about Flag Day, and uh, I will, as always, post my sources on the blog post for this episode at speakingforhim.blogspot.com, so please make sure you avail yourself of that information. Um, This information comes from ellisoneducation.com, and here are 10 Flag Day facts for you. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson is recorded as officially setting June 14th as Flag Day. Even with Wilson's act, on a federal level, the holiday was not passed by Congress. So this is not a federal holiday, but it is nonetheless a recognized holiday. And actually, it was first recognized or recommended by a school teacher in 1885. The design of the American flag was not made official until 1912. At that time, a governmental order adapted the current design, and that was, of course, William Howard Taft, who was involved in that process. Historically, the story that Betsy Ross created the first flag has been passed down through the generation. However, it is actually believed that a United States congressman named Francis Hopkinson created the first flag. Believe it or not, since its original design, our American flag has changed a total of 27 times. We all know the phrase, One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, by Neil Armstrong when Apollo 11 landed on the moon. But did you know that there were a total of six American flags Located on the moon, Apollo Crews 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, and 17, all promptly planted flags on the moon. Flag Day is also on the same day as the birthday of the United States Army. The largest Flag Day parade is held in Troy, New York. It is estimated that approximately 50,000 people attend this parade each year. Talk about American pride. Despite the rule of raising the American flag at sunrise and lowering it at sunset, it is flown 24 hours a day at several locations, which is done by law or by presidential proclamation. And one of those is at the Iwo Jima Memorial. And so that is something for you to look up more information about. I I would definitely encourage you to do that. You know, that's one of the aims of my podcast when I share these historical facts with you is not just to spoon-feed you information about history, but to encourage you to fact-check and to learn and to grow as a result of listening to this podcast. If I can foster in you a love for history... I think that would be a great thing, because as we study history, we learn from it, and we grow as a result. Do you know what the colors of the flag stands for? The red stands for valor and hardiness. Blue stands for justice, perseverance, and vigilance. White stands for innocence and purity. Have you heard the phrase, "old Glory, when referring to the flag? It might surprise you to find out that this term was first used by shipmaster Captain William Driver in 1831 after being given a flag by his friends as a gift. So those are just some interesting facts about Flag Day for you to consider. But you know what? Perhaps no one... Describes the importance of the American flag like Johnny Cash.
2: I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, I said the old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I said, down. is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said "Watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams and it almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill there was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea Vietnam She went where she was sent, by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's, and she's getting, getting threadbare, there, and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Because she's been through the fire before, and I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning, we take her down every night, we don't let her touch the ground, and we fold her upright. On second thought, I do like to brag... 'Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag.
0: The flag means a lot to me. I am very thankful to have been born in a free country. I'm thankful to be a citizen of the United States of America. I'm thankful that God saw fit to put me into the family he did and to put me into a place where I could get the best medical care and the best resources for the disabled that I can possibly think of it's amazing to me in the place where I live that even though I have to travel about an hour to get my wheelchair worked on or to get new equipment there are people that come from hours and hours away to come to the same places I do so I live in a very great place when I listen to that Johnny Cash piece and I think about all the wars that our troops have fought for our freedom I'm reminded that freedom isn't free I'm reminded of the quote that says that the American flag doesn't flap in the breeze. No, it flaps because of the breath of every man that went forth and died for it. You know, there's a lot of people today that complain about the flag. They complain about our country. They say it's oppressed. But what I would say to each and every person who today is espousing that belief, I would ask them, where are you going to go where you have more freedom than you do here? Where are you going to go where you have more opportunity than you do here? Why is it that all these people that are complaining about the oppression of America, don't pick up and go somewhere else. If you want a socialist country, there are plenty of socialist countries to pick from. One of my friends pointed out a while back that all you have to do to realize the greatness of America and the opportunities afforded here is to consider the gate test. When oppressive countries' gates are opened and people start to flee, or even when they escape a country for whom the gates are not formally open, where do they head? And often the answer is the United States of America. Why? Because it is indeed the sweet land of liberty. Now, I know that we're not perfect. But I know that we are one of the greatest nations in the entire world. And I say that without apology. Now let me be clear. I know that having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus far supersedes the importance and the greatness of being an American. I understand that. But you see, when I think about the freedoms that I've been afforded, one of the greatest freedoms that I'm afforded here in the United States is to freely proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do I talk about constitutional freedoms on this show so often? The reason is because constitutional freedoms allow me to share what's most important. And We live in a country where instead of being ruled by a dictator that tells us the way the laws have to be, we're in a constitutional republic where we can elect Godly people to enact our laws. Where we have formal ways to protest when things aren't going our way. There was a post recently about the Unlock Michigan petition that was signed last year by 535,000 Michiganders and yet ignored by the Michigan Secretary of State. Michigan Supreme Court, within the last few weeks, said, no, you have to certify that petition. The reality is we needed, I think, about 300,000 petitions. The goal was 500,000, just to make sure we were well over the line because there's always the potential for a certain number of signatures to be thrown out because of different validity reasons so it's good to be over what you need and so that was that was the goal to be over to be at 500,000 and we got that and we we superseded that we got 535,000 and yet the secretary of state said no I'm not going to do anything with it and the supreme court of Michigan said that's not good enough you have to certify this petition. Why? Because the people of Michigan went about this the right way. There is a process for petitioning your grievances in the United States of America, in the state of Michigan, and more broadly throughout the country. That would not happen if we didn't live in a place of liberty like we do. So when I watch the Olympics and I see the red, white, and blue flying high when we have someone on the medal stand and I hear the national anthem, I am filled with excitement. Because as a student of history, I know... What it cost us. And yes, we made mistakes. Slavery was a big blight for us. But we are also the country where Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 and said, that slaves should be henceforth and forever free. And then later, those freedoms were broadened by the 13th Amendment. And again in 1964, by the Civil Rights Act. So, we are a land of liberty. We are a land where you can go from poverty to great riches by hard work and ingenuity. Oprah Winfrey and LeBron James are two examples of this. If they stopped to think about it, they would realize they wouldn't have anywhere near the success and the finances that they have if they did not live in the United States of America and have the opportunities that they now have. And those are just two examples that are on the top of my head, but so many more people could say that. I've heard it said many times, too, that the poorest people in America are still among the richest in the world. I think it's important for us to keep that in perspective. I watch the TV show Chopped. I like watching uh, these chefs cook and be given these particular ingredients and Set and be told just to, you know, make whatever they can with these four ingredients plus to fulfill the dictates of the game. And it's really fun to watch. Why do I bring up Chopped? Because it seems like at least every few episodes, maybe a little bit more often, there's at least one chef who is a foreigner who comes over to America to continue their cooking career, and realizes that they were able to go from nothing to great success and contentment because of the principles of liberty that exist in America. America is founded on the principle of personal responsibility. So I think it's important for us to note that The Founding Fathers talked about the right to pursue happiness, not the right to gain happiness. We all have the opportunity to pursue success. We're not all all guaranteed the same successes. Every one of us, I'm sure, could tell stories about how they have dealt with struggles and maybe even downright discrimination in their lives. But that doesn't make America a bad place to be. The Kendrick brothers are coming back to theaters uh, this fall. I believe it's August and October. They will have new projects in theaters
3: I'm Alex Kendrick. And I'm Stephen Kendrick. And we have some exciting news for you. Yes. We've been working on two movies that will come out in theaters this fall. Two movies this fall at the same time. And the first one is a documentary. It's actually a powerful documentary. Our Tell them about it. first documentary called Show Me the Father. We've taken some of the best, most inspirational stories about fatherhood, put them together into a movie, and we talk about the perfect fatherhood of God and how he wants a relationship with all of us. It's going to be really cool. It is really just going to grab your heart, pull it out, whip it around a couple of times, stick it right back in better. We've got NFL stories. We've got Dr. Tony Evans, Jim Daly. We talk about my daughter's adoption story. That's good. You're going to love Show Me the Father. It's a film for everybody. Check it out this fall. And then a month later in theaters, we're re-releasing a special edition of the movie Courageous. It's been 10 years. We're calling it Courageous Legacy for the 10th anniversary edition. We've remastered, recolored, re-edited, put new scenes in, and it's got a brand new ending. That's right. It's inspirational. It looks better than it ever has before. And we even share some of the impact stories as to what God has done through Courageous over the last 10 years. And I've never seen a movie where you get to see the characters literally age 10 years. Without makeup. It's, the, really, it's the real deal. It's pretty cool. So CourageousTheMovie.com. But before that, a month earlier, movie.com for more information.
0: And as we get closer to those dates, I will definitely be keeping you posted. I plan to review both of those projects on my podcast. You know, when Courageous came out, it really spoke to me strongly because I was just a couple of years into my speaking for him ministry. Courageous came out in 2011. As you heard them say, it's their 10 year anniversary, uh, this year. And I thought it was the best Kendrick brothers movie to date. And although I have appreciated, uh, the films that have come out since courageous, uh, I still consider Courageous to be the best Kendrick's film ever to this date. So I'm really excited that they're bringing it back. I'm excited that they're doing a new ending, that they that they're doing a where are they now? Um I think it kind of fits with what people are doing these days with kind of the reboot culture. Everybody wants to know what their favorite TV characters are up to, and so I think it kind of is exciting to see that they're going to do this with the characters of Courageous. And they said there's a brand new ending and some other new scenes and just all the extra editing that they're doing to prepare it for people to see again. I'm, I'm excited uh, to watch it again and to once again uh, get excited about virtuous manhood. You know, we talk about virtuous womanhood. But we need virtuous men too. We need men of valor who are willing to stand in the gap for their families, especially in this time in which we find ourselves. Uh, That's actually the theme of my first book, Men of Valor, which is available in paperback on Amazon at this very moment. I encourage you to stick with us as we hopefully profile both of these projects. The documentary Show Me the Father and the Courageous Legacy Edition as they come out in theaters.
3: My name is Ben Marcus. Somehow I found myself as the main editor of a reality TV show called
1: Rosie's Roses. You made me look like a moron for heaven's sake.
3: I used to be a comic. That's where my heart is. Well, dude, why are you out there running
2: with this? there's No way, man. I got a family.
1: Can you help out around the house? Jack needs help with his math homework.
2: I'll fix the toilet. You're watching a video. That's not math.
1: This guy is funny. He has to be. He's a millionaire. A millionaire? He's a pizza. What?
3: And this is my very first video. I got two atheist friends. Every time I'm around them, I sneeze just to see what they're going to say.
1: How many of you are that funny? The nominees this year are... I feel like I'm doing this all on my own. Have you ever seen the movie War Room? I don't really like Christian films. you been? Your daughter's play.
0: This is my first time. In like 20 years, I finally get to do something I love.
1: For once in your life, have some balance. Mm.
0: Uh-huh. Off track. What if
4: it's a
1: test?
0: What if you dove deeper into the Bible than you ever have before? i can't afford to be sitting around reading the Bible. You can't afford not to read the Bible.
2: <laughs> it's got kind of awkward. A little bit, yeah. There's no way I can ask you to be a better daughter if I'm not willing to be a better father. And I am. God can do
3: incredible things.
2: Some of these things I just can't fix
0: without some sort of direction. And I'm finding it right here in the Bible.
2: I'm Sophie there. I thought it was the police. It's the brolies. We're gonna be all right.
0: Today's quote of the day comes from Michael Jr., the star of the film, and he says about Selfie Dad, I think the message is to recognize how much power fathers actually have and how that power should be wielded in a way that's going to inspire, encourage, and uplift the family and the people around you. The true power comes from someplace way greater than just a dad. It really comes from God the Father. And so that is uh, really a good jumping off point for this discussion. But before we plunge right in, I just want to say a happy Father's Day to my father. And thank you for always encouraging me in ministry. It's because of my dad that speaking for him exists and that I've been podcasting uh, for the past um, almost nine years. So very thankful to you, dad, for your spiritual influence on me, and for always taking care of me in many other ways as well. Alright, well to begin this discussion, um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of Selfie Dad. Selfie Dad centers around um, an editor uh, who is a former comic, comic uh, named Ben Marcus, and he's an editor for a reality show Uh, that has to do with a gardener who plants a lot of flowers and there's a lot of comedy associated with that. And he has a family um, and he's one of these guys that goes to church every Sunday and he grabs his Bible out of the back of the car and uses it on Sunday morning and then puts it in the back of the car. But the Bible doesn't really impact his daily life. And through the course of the film, we see him realizing the necessity of um, making his faith a daily walk and how the way that he treats his family impacts each one of them, Uh, first of all, his wife, and then trickling down to his children. So I thought it was a very impactful film, and uh, I'm excited to get a chance to dig into it a little bit more as we go into this discussion. So first of all, uh, Bartholomew, since you are here, would you give me your initial thoughts? Yeah,
4: sure. Um first yeah, I'd like to second what you said about dad. Um happy Father's Day as well for me. And um welcome I'm I'm happy to be back on the Speaking for Him podcast. I've done a, a couple of episodes um before, but it's been a while. Um I have not been in your home studio, so um this is kind of nice so we can just do this about this this uh Movie here. Um, well, first of all, I like to say that you know I'm kind of a, a, a big fan of um, Michael Jr. This this movie in particular, um, I was really excited about it when I heard about it. the The thing is, I, I also uh, you know, in the back of my mind was trying to kind of have a little bit of low expectations because it is a Christian film, and it is um, his first film. It's not like he's a, a great actor. But I think they put him in a good role, and I don't know exactly the the origins of the the movie, but whether he was the one who started it or somebody else asked him to be in it. But they gave him a good role. Um, definitely a little s- slow to start because you know they they try to give a little bit of the the hint that he's a comic, but you know part of it in the beginning he's kind of like not trying to be funny because maybe that's that's. Uh, you know, kind of the idea that he's like, well, I just, in a normal um, everyday life um, type type situation, he, you know, is trying to kind of be a little bit depressed a little bit. Um, and, you know, I would say that he's, as far as the acting, you know, he's probably the worst actor in the movie. I think there's a lot of good acting in the movie. Um, there's a, The production value is definitely up there. Um, some people might say it's a little preachy if you're, if you're trying to show it to a lot of unsaved people, but I think that it really hits, um, where it's trying to hit where the, the people that are nominal Christians, people that are like, well, I want to be a Christian, but you know, I'm too busy for, for a lot of the things of God. Um, I mean, I think that we could all read the Bible more. all pray more, um, I try to read the Bible every day, but yet um, this movie is going to hit you with that. I mean, that's kind of the big theme with the movie is that we need to read the Bible, um, especially as dads, but all of us need to read the Bible more and um, learn more about that.
0: I definitely resonate with a lot of these thoughts, especially as you're watching the movie. I wanted to comment a little bit on the what you said about being preachy. I know I've had conversations with, with other people who have said that that is a weakness of Christian movies, uh, that they should just be quality movies, uh, that, that are thought provoking and, and not being preachy. And I'm not sure what the background of the director and the writer of this film is, but I know with the Kendrick brothers, they often say, well, we are preachers. That's, that's our background. And so when we, when we write a film, we're going to preach with it because that's what we know and and that's what we're called to do. When they were called out of their church into filmmaking, it didn't change their call uh, to preach. It just changed the format in which they used to preach. So I think it's important to recognize and realize the, the goal. And so if the goal is to preach in a gentle way, then this film and films like it are actually accomplishing that goal rather than as some people would say falling short so as we continue to talk about this um uh what are just one or two particularly positive things that you um uh, noticed about this film that you particularly enjoyed well i think
4: well i think that it is it is very funny in parts. Um, you know, it's Michael Junior's comedy spurs throughout that definitely made it enjoyable. Um, like I said, the production value was good. the The acting, I think, was good. Um, the the storyline really was. I mean, it really is a, a good storyline. I think it. It kind of. I mean, I, his father was not a uh, a comic. But what I my understanding was that his father um, did have some some issues to deal with, and I don't know if his father ever was a Christian, ever came to Christ. But um, he talks about in the movie he's, he's talking referring to his father and how his father was not a moral person, and I think that that um, was somewhat biographical, and the fact that Michael Jr. is is a chain breaker in his you know, in his family. And I think that we can all be train breakers in our family. And regardless of how, how much character our fathers did have had, um, we can also continue that,
0: that legacy. I think one of the things that stuck out to me was the fact that he needed to start with his relationship with his wife. And when he started loving his wife correctly, when he started putting that relationship forward, Then it helped the other parts of his life. I mean, first getting into the Bible by himself and then uh, washing his wife with the water of the word and seeing it trickle down to his children. Um, I heard many years ago, and actually I've heard many times, that the best way that a man can love his children is to show them that he loves their mother. And I really do believe that that is important. So even though this film is Selfie Dad, it really dealt with issues related to how to have a strong marriage and putting your marriage above everything else and seeing the fruit and the results that go from that. Uh, I think another thing is just, uh, you just see how his present was impacted by his past, but then he realized that he needed to be an overcomer. In our culture today, we like to blame our past for everything that has happened to us. And the reality is that we all have a past. We all have things that, that make it hard for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish, but we have to get to the place where we are actually overcomers and we put that behind us. And we, you know, by the grace of God accomplish the things that he has set out for us because he has a lot of great works for each of us to do if we are following him.
4: Yeah. And, uh, the one thing too is, it fo- It talks of two wives as well, you know. She, she was a Christian. She was going to church. She was, um, felt like she was taking kind of the, the spiritual, load in the family, and uh, and other loads as well. And she is constantly kind of complaining to him, you know, nagging him, about, um, you know, being more there for the family but she also needed to realize that she could pray for him and there was things that she could do in the way she treated him and not have to um just have her own you know not not just nag him and just expect
0: everything from him. All right, well, let's let's talk about some negatives. Was there anything uh particularly in this film that you thought could have been done better?
4: I thought some of the the references in the film were too um, too obscure. Like for instance, they met, they have like a "It's a Wonderful Life" thing at the beginning, and you're like, "Oh, this is a, this is kind of cool," but then it has nothing to do with the movie. And you know, they had a, a reference to War Room, but unless you really understand that the the actor the actress. Um, was in the War Room, and then she goes, well, have you read, watched the movie War Room? And it, it kind of falls flat. <laughs> um, it was really funny in the trailer, but then when you're watching the movie, I'm like, well, the reference was just there, and it wasn't really explained. I think that was one big negative. Um, as I said, like, like a, I like the way that they um, intersperse some of the, the talking about the Bible and talking about Christian things. I like that. Um, aspect of it, but you know, in some ways, you're like, I want to watch a movie, and then they're like, Well, what about you know, we're, we're going to talk about the Bible, we're going to talk about the Bible, we're going to talk about the Bible. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I would say that's a negative. I I didn't think it was too much, but I think that some people might think of that as a negative. Um. And the, I mean, I guess the other thing would might be like Michael Jr.'s acting especially in the beginning where he's trying to act not funny, is kind of like, you know, when I first watched it, I'm like, this is kind of weird.
0: (laughs) It's interesting because on the tip of of things that don't really have a place in the movie, you talked about the first part with the the angels in heaven, kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, but there was also the part where he walks into a barbershop and starts talking to these friends, and then after about a seven minute scene or whatever, then he's like, "Well, I'm I'm a bald black guy in a white barber shop, so I'm just gonna go." And I know it was supposed to be played for laughs, but it was weird because he seemed like he knew the people. Yeah. Um. But it it didn't land as humorous for me because I was like, "Well, if he knew the people and just wanted to hang out, that's fine." Um. Uh because otherwise, as a bald person, regardless of whether he was black, why would he go to a barber shop? so that was just one of those things where I was like I didn't really see the the necessity of it um and then also, like you said, it was just really interesting to see the the fact that to to go back to something positive um. The fact that uh, the wife, when she asked her friend to pray for her husband, the first thing she did was pray for the wife to have a better response to to the husband. Yeah, so, that was definitely a positive. I thought that was really really neat. The um, other thing
4: I think too is, and this happens a lot in movies, is you know they have like you, the life is not real great, and then you you know you find God. There's a there's a a change point. And then everything is great, and this movie really, I think, it kind of tried to balance that out a little bit because, you know, like at least in his in his YouTube business, his YouTube um, watching that kind of started going downhill. But there was also a lot of like, like things that that I can see taking time, like like his relationship with his wife would take more time than it would, you know, like it's not just a Uh, flip the switch and then it's done but you have to do that in movies because they're they're so short you can't have an extended period of time and the other thing i thought of i forgot to mention earlier is just the fact that i mean they they say this is a a family movie but I, i wish that it would have explored a little bit more about the children because i can see um younger children not really enjoying this movie i don't see a lot in it for them um you know, maybe, I mean, it's rated PG, so it's definitely fine for them to watch, but the, uh, you know, probably the kind of preteen and up might enjoy it because it relates to family, but I can't see younger kids really enjoying it.
0: You are correct. I, I noticed that, too, that it, that the kids are there, and he talks about wanting to spend time with them, and he does have a couple like one little scene with each one where he embraces his son's desire to be an editor. And then the other time where he uh, reinforces the value of his, of his daughter. But those are definitely things that could have been uh, developed a little bit more. And I, I did like the fact that even after he uh, is getting into the word of God and he releases his, his video about his initial video about how God changed him And then everything is going haywire and just showing he still struggles because then he punches something in his, uh, you know, backdrop for his videos and he damages his hand and ends up going to jail because he gets pulled over by the police. And uh, it it was just really interesting uh, to have that spoiler alert as something that drove him to continue to get better. And then, of course as he uh, is getting toward the end of the film, then you see him taking a little bit gentler approach, still not apologizing for the truth, but being gentle with the truth, and uh, sharing with people how uh, the Bible changed him, and I thought it was significant that the daughter talked about the reason that she was excited about the Bible is because she saw how it changed her dad, so... And then the next question that I have is, what do you think is the biggest lesson that you took away from this film? Well,
4: um, obviously we've been alluding to it that it's about reading the Bible and about how God can transform your life. And I think that's the biggest lesson. You know, as I said, when when I opened up, we need to read the Bible more, we need to pray more. Um, It's easy to say, easy to say, um, not necessarily easy to do, not easy to be motivated to do, but, um, you know, we, there's a book that we were given by the creator of the universe. And it just seems like we should um, get to know that, get to know him because of that. And also the fact that it it changes our lives
0: is, you know, amazing. Absolutely. I I think one of the, the things that I thought of is like in the beginning, I don't know what the beginning of his story was. and, And that's one area to go back to the weaknesses of the film. It would be nice to know he wasn't, you know, living full out for God, but there was obviously something that had prompted him to be in church instead of being on the streets and, you know, drinking and carousing like his father. So it would have been nice to have a little bit more of that. But I think the the thing is that we can be a Christian uh, in name only or we can be a Christian in such a way that, that people see Jesus in the things that we do. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect. I think one of the problems that we have today is that um, the world will always call out hypocrisy because, because they're looking to see how much we care about the things of the Bible. Um, But we need to realize that although we won't be perfect, we are striving for perfection. God says, be holy for I am holy. So that is the standard that we are trying to achieve. Of course, we ultimately cannot this side of glory, but that is why Jesus died on the cross. So I think embracing that we can't do it on our own and that we need help is... um, the biggest thing that I learned from this movie, I think there's a significant quote in the movie where uh, he says, I have a wife and a family and a job. I can't really afford to read the Bible, to take the time to read the Bible. And his friend says, because you have those things, you can't afford not to read the Bible. That's where that's where life is. That's where you have the opportunity to become a better person by being a person of the word. And so I really feel like that is a big lesson. And I hope this father's day as um, we're coming up to it, that you as dads and you as sons and daughters will all embrace the need to spend more time in the Bible. And hopefully that will create more unity in the family. And as families unite, it will create more unity in our country and around the world because Unity is definitely something that people use as a buzzword today, but I don't think we fully understand what it is. So now comes the moment of truth. BJ, how would you rank this movie from one to five? Five being best, one being worst.
4: I'm thinking 3.5, three,
0: three
4: and a half stars. stars. Um, the, the thing, that I guess, that... I mean, it's a very enjoyable movie. I would recommend that you watch it, um, if you're a father or if you're thinking about becoming a father. Um, definitely, if you're if you're a spouse, you know, if you're a wife, it's it's a good movie to for you to watch. Um, watch it, maybe watch it together even. Um, so, I absolutely recommend watching it. But just for some of the reasons that I said, some of the negative things, I, I'm just marking it down to 3.5.
0: I I would probably go a little higher to like a four just because I'm, I'm overly optimistic a lot of times in the way that I rate things, but I definitely agree with some of that. Like another thing that was a little bit disjointed was just the way they portrayed the Sean DePierce reality show host character. For one one thing uh, he gets this award for being the best uh, producer of a reality show. And I've never thought of a home and garden show as a reality show for one thing. And for another thing, the, the things that she complained about in his editing and quote unquote to quote from the movie, making her look like a moron, uh, it didn't make sense to, to understand where she was coming from because the clips that they actually showed from the show within the show seemed pretty on point. So again, something just another thing that's just a little bit disjointed. Um, But I think overall that your family will enjoy uh, this movie. It's available on Amazon for streaming as well as Tubi. So you can watch it this weekend if you so desire with your family. Yeah, Tubi is free whether you have Amazon or not. So Tubi, I definitely recommend Tubi. That is definitely uh, something worth noting. Again, I will have a lot of links on my podcast for some of the things that I talked about earlier as well as a link to Tubi so you can uh, go to my blog post for this podcast episode and find that. Well, that's about all I have for you today. I appreciate my brother Bartholomew for stopping by and reviewing this film with me. I hope that if you enjoyed this episode that you would Give us some feedback with the information that's about to roll at the end of the show. And I hope that, as always, you have a wonderful week and you keep serving the best of Masters.